statewide by the insurance adjusters at Brown O'Haver. Fire, wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Hit the guys up on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. You guys had to have armed security Mm -hmm. because somebody broke into your house. What happened there? Yeah, I had multiple. Um, they had a lot of different people trying to break into the house the days after it happened. And 95% of the fans and people out there at Oklahoma or anybody else are great. But yeah. you, you typically always have that that percentage that, that at times take it too far. Obviously, this was one of those instances. I heard you got packages and then they got your nine-year-old's number. Um, like, what was the scariest part for you? Yeah, just my family's safety. I didn't care about the house. I didn't care about anything else, just their safety. And we thought we were going to, because we wanted the girls to be able to finish out school um, just because the semester was almost over. And as that stuff transpired, we said, no, we got to get them the hell out of here as fast as we can. There it is, the big story that we have. We didn't ask for it. We've talked about it a couple of times. You've probably heard it by now. There you go, Lincoln Riley on a recent uh, podcast that just dropped. And how, how do we want to cap this off? By calling him a douche, calling him a loser. It sounds like he's lying about this with certain reports that are being released right now, or at least not telling the entire truth here. How do we uh, cap off this uh, just ridiculous conversation that we've had to have today well i mean what's interesting about it tyler is the the clip that you played is going to get the most attention right him claiming that people broke into his home and attempted to on multiple occasions the first part of that clip is him saying yes people broke into the home um which we know is a lie or else probably he would have reported that to police and police have provided documentation that nothing like that ever happened. But the, the interesting part, Tyler is the rest of the podcast because he keeps on changing what he's saying about the timeline. He's like, well, the agents were, uh, you know, working on things behind the scenes and whatnot. Like we've now got a third timeline because before it was the night before. And now then it was the morning of, when he went on, uh, I think, with maybe Gene Wachkowski or Colin Coward or somebody, that was it was the, it was just that morning, and then he took a nap or something like that, and then and then left. I think it was Scott well, Van Pelt, but re- regardless, working. yes, the timeline's changing. Right, and now it now it's the timeline changed again. So yes, he accused you know OU fans of some pretty heinous heinous stuff that again isn't backed up in any reality and accused OU fans of putting his elementary school-aged children in harm's way, putting them in physical danger 
because of his coaching decision, which, again, is, is a low thing to do. But also, he changed the timeline again, Tyler. So uh, you can you could play side-by-side side three different interviews where he says three different things about when, the, when he decided to go to USC and then just link that up with any of the uh, any of the heinous stuff that he's accusing OU fans of, and uh, and then there's your there's your answer right there. The guy still he can't get his story straight. And and why are we why is he dropping this podcast? Why are we talking about this going into week three of so his second season? So weird. They're three and zero. OU's two and zero. Like why? I mean, we've I know we're talking about it, but we've moved on. He clearly hasn't. It's been, what, over 18 months now, I guess, since all of that happened. Now he's bringing this in. It's weird. I don't think that he's telling the entire truth here when it comes to this or how he did or he didn't try to get players to USC. Um, homeboy's just got to let it go and move on, man. And it's just so weird that he talks about how much he loves the lifestyle of L.A. so much more, how much more his family enjoys it, enjoys it how awesome L.A. is compared to here then why do you continue to bring up OU every chance you get? Because it's happening like once every four or five months now, man. Whether it's in an article or in a podcast interview like that, clearly he still has some issues with the decision. We're good with it. We're all moving on. Like We've got several texts today that, you know, even though that moment sucked in, in the moment, how much better do you feel moving forward in the SEC with the current coach and what the defense looks like and everything? Like, I, I certainly feel that way. It's just weird that this keeps getting brought up and it keeps being a story. It doesn't need to be a story. I don't know what he's trying to gain I think here that's what, that's what that's odd. That's what annoys me the most. He doesn't – he has nothing to gain from this. Why, why are you bringing it up? I mean, it's is it is he supposed to be distracting from, you know, kind of losing a little bit on the recruiting trail? Usually it's always tied to something. Anytime news drops – you always have to ask why. Is he shooting podcast episodes in the middle of his in, in the middle of his season when he had a whole off season to do so? When the discussion is is about things that have happened in the past, like there's there's just so many questions that make this weird that uh, I don't get it. I, I I don't get it. I'm 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 ready to move on. Yeah, and, and, been, and I'm sorry for those in the middle of a season to... where our defense is. I'm sorry for those that had to hear it like three times already today, but this is for the five o'clock crowd that may not have heard it. Um, there was even a like, what, what are some of the reports that have been put out today? Like the Norman PD said, yeah, there were like two certain incidents, but nothing was really filed. And what, like a black Escalade was apparently driving around in the neighborhood. That's like the scariest thing that we have yeah, so the, far. Yeah, Black Escalade was, was driving through the neighborhood. Oh, by the way, was driving through the neighborhood in late December. Um, guess guess what really wealthy neighborhoods have up in late December? Christmas lights. Could have could have could have very easily just been a, uh, a some people out checking out Christmas lights. The December seventeenth and December nineteenth that legitimately the Norman Police Department provided that extra staff had been added just in case for suspicious activity, which was, but three weeks past the time that Lincoln Riley claims that his home was broken into with zero proof, zero evidence. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't know what we'll, I don't know what we'll be accused of next, Tyler. I don't know. I truly don't. The pack- Nothing would surprise me. Packages were left at the house. We've overlooked that one. What is this like a John Travolta movie or something? Or like bombs being left on the front porch or something? Or are we supposed to believe anthrax was? Were we supposed to believe that was delivered to the the home of Lincoln Riley? Get out of here, man! 
packages being delivered. Jeez. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's again, it's I don't know what he has to gain. I, I, I just there's no maybe the maybe the maybe something's about to drop that we don't know of. Whether it's a recruiting violation, whether it's a he's about to move on from a staff member. Maybe maybe the Relique Brown situation. Maybe Relique Brown's about to play his first game of the year uh, for another team or something like that. I, 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 I don't know, but it feels like there's a reason that we're seeing this going into week three of the college football season. Maybe it's just because they're on a bye week and he can't stand to let anybody else have the attention while while at the same time claiming that he couldn't handle the attention of being in Norman, Oklahoma, even though Bob Stoops and Toby Keith and Barry Switzer and a lot of people way more important and famous than him seem to have no problem doing it. Yeah, it's weird. All right, as we look ahead to week three... The Athletic is saying, whoa, when it comes to the college football playoff, is uh, is Oklahoma a pretender? That's a headline that they have. Is Oklahoma a, pre- a contender when they uh, talk about the college football playoff? The uh, short blurb says this, a surprise contender is Oklahoma. Amongst all the early season chaos in the SEC and the gauntlet that is becoming the Pac-12, Oklahoma is setting itself up nicely for a run at the playoff. Last week, they were projected at 5% to make the CFP. This week, that number has jumped to 25%. Oh, <laughs> you jumped, um, jumped 20%. And I don't know what the athletic uses for its college football playoff predictor. But OU jumped 20% by beating SMU at home. And I guess that's more about... Other teams across the country losing, but apparently OU went from five to twenty-five percent. Like that's a very noticeable gain on whatever metric that they're using. Is that is that? And this is to you and the text line. If we were to evaluate things right now, like is twenty-five percent chance to make the fourteen playoff? Is that a fair number? Is that too high? Too low? Dead on balls accurate? Like what do we what do we think about that? You know, I, th- I think a little bit of it has to do with the path to the Big 12 championship. I think I think maybe people are seeing like, oh, maybe Texas Tech, you know, who we thought maybe was a dark horse to get there, looks like they may not be who we thought they were. Um, you know, it's possible they saw Baylor and, you know, maybe, maybe not play like they thought they would. Um, you know, it, it, it's possible that, like I said, it's just a reflection of some of the other teams maybe not being as good and them just believing that a Big 12 champion might. And the SEC, you know, with LSU getting a loss and Alabama getting a loss and, and you know, Florida getting a loss. Clemson and South as Carolina well. getting a loss. We haven't talked Clemson about that taking a loss early. Yeah, in that way, like, like, like like normally most years we're already saying, oh, yeah, Clemson lost, that's good. Bama lost already. Yeah, that's awesome. LSU did as well. Like maybe we're just so focused on this team not being six and seven and not being better that there's been some things that have happened around OU that would, yeah, seemingly, I guess, make their playoff chances look at least a little bit better today. Yeah, the four hundred five brings up a great point. It's fifty percent. Either we do or we don't. It's, there's, that's there's uh, that's good math right yeah. there. But but that's but that's the thing. I think a lot of it, Tyler, has to do with like I said, the path to the Big Twelve has it, it looks a little bit easier. I know Kansas State has played well. I don't I don't want Teddy getting on here and getting mad at me tomorrow. I know his Kansas State Wildcats have looked good, mm. um, but I 
the Baylors and the Texas Techs going down, and OSU looks not very good. They still don't know who their top two quarterbacks are, let alone their top one quarterback. Um, I uh, I don't know, and 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 I think a lot of people were just waiting for Oklahoma's defense to improve because you know even they said in the playoff conversations even when we had kyler and baker and jalen and all this they said look we know they've got great offense but their defense has been an issue can they stop anybody and we when the playoff committee is saying things like that they're basically telling teams hey look we care about the style of play well maybe tyler they're you know the athletic is counting on the committee saying hey look Oklahoma, through two weeks, has one of the best defenses in the country, and a bunch of people have only played two cupcakes, and I don't think SMU's a cupcake. So it's like maybe they're seeing a style change, Tyler, maybe. and saying that. But I do think it matters that I don't think SEC is going to get two teams in. If you look at their non-con schedule of, what, four SEC teams losing, in, well, five with Texas A&M, five SEC teams losing, kind of, kind of their kind of – premier programs, if you will, ranked programs, losing before the conference slate happens, I think that absolutely affects it. Sure. Alabama and LSU will cancel each other out when they play later on, right? Georgia is still in a really good spot to make the playoff. I guess if Tennessee were to win out all the way to the Georgia game and be a one-loss team, their only loss is to UGA, then maybe they could still get in. But it feels like the the SEC just going into week three has three legitimate scenarios. Unless I'm totally I, – like, Ole Miss is still undefeated, but I don't think Ole Miss is going to be a playoff contender. Like, realistic, like the SEC right now has Georgia, they've got Tennessee, and whoever wins between Alabama and LSU. Um, so, yeah, I, I might bet against uh, the SEC having two teams in the playoff this year. 20, 25%. The quarterback doesn't look great. Yeah. I mean, uh, all your traditional powers, I mean – they either haven't looked good. Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State are kind of your three that we always talk about. They haven't looked particularly good. Um, you know, Michigan hasn't had their head coach. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those. It may not be that they believe in Oklahoma. It may be that just they don't trust anybody else. 25% says the Athletic OU's chances to make the college football playoff up from 5% last week, which is interesting. Cade from the 405 says that 25% is too high. We haven't played anyone yet. Let's talk after Texas. Gunny says, I'd say it's not far off. I'd be closer to 40%. Uh, all we have to do is beat Texas. So that, that's that's a theme, right? I, I, I'm i getting this from the text line, and it's not a surprise, and I don't think that it's wrong, that even talking about who someone else says is OU's current playoff percentage right now, I think everyone at this point is like, yeah, okay, well, that's nice, guys, but let's really start to talk about the playoff until after they go down to Dallas and beat Texas. And after you do that, let's have the discussion all day about going to the college football playoff and what the percentages are like. But I feel there's like a, a lot of nerves and uneasiness of even talking about that like after just two games. Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, to Cade's point, he said, too high, we haven't played anyone yet. That's the point. A lot of teams haven't played anybody, and yet we've looked good against nobodies when other people haven't. And SMU, Tyler, SMU is going to win probably eight or nine games this year. Like, I go over that. They I, might I win think they win games. ten, yeah. yeah. Right. So so it's, it's a thing where I think SMU is going to be better than 
a lot of teams that some of the contenders, the playoff contenders, have played. And the fact is, we've just looked better against them. I mean, Levy wouldn't throw the ball downfield, and his hashtag is score from far. Like, he wants to throw the ball downfield. That was had to have been a concerted effort. It's the only thing that makes sense after all of this. You know, like, I, I, I'm, we mentioned weird a lot after the – um, weird a lot after the game, right? Like, how do you feel? Oh, weird. The offense was weird, right? Like, it's weird is 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 different than bad, and that's that's the thing. So, Tyler, if I it, looking at the defense or looking at the offense against SMU, I don't think we played bad. We had zero three and outs. You know, when we needed scores, like late in the game, we put up two touchdowns. Dylan Gabriel threw 70% completion percentage, four touchdowns. We took care of the ball. Tawi Walker rushed for over 100 yards. Um, you know, we, 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 our offense produced, but it was just weird, right? And yeah. that's what, if I were to walk into the postgame, Tyler, and I were to smell bad and, like, I was sweating, I was running all this stuff, and you were like, oh, man, Travis, what's, what's going on? Like, it'd be like, okay, that was probably poor execution on, like, body odor like you know like like deodorant or something like that like a hygiene issue that's bad that's that is bad execution that needs to be fixed if i walked in and smelled like pickles you'd be just confused you'd be like travis why do you what what do you what, what if you, you smelled like, like uh the tree air freshener like chris farley did in tommy boy or was it black sheep right. what, one of those two movies <laughs> that's what the the offense just smelled like the tree freshener smelled like pickles it's it's not bad it wasn't something that needs to be fixed. It's still got the sausage made. It's still, you know, produced four touchdowns. Sure, we didn't score at a high rate. But, again, no three and outs, no turnovers. I mean, they were they were effective in those areas. It was just weird. And I will take I will take weird over bad any day of the week because weird seems like it can be changed with a decision as opposed to bad typically means that there's – there's some bad habits involved. Adam from ATX, Adam from Austin says, we could even lose to Texas once and beat them in the ship, and we are in. I think we beat them twice, though. Redemption. Yeah. The, we could uh, lose to Texas in the, pre, in, the, in the regular season and then beat Kansas State in the Big 12 and still get in. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to the- get more for a Texas, a win over Texas than you've gotten since when? Because now with all the preseason hype they've gotten – they're going to be the, the highest rank they've been in this game in a long time. I mean, when's the last time OU would get as much credit as they would get if they beat Texas this time around? It's been a, it's been a long time, man. Long time. Especially after that I, Bama I, win. Yeah. No, I would argue. I mean, especially especially you, ha- you have to think about it two ways, right? So how much credit will you get for the Texas win is, hey, look, they just beat Alabama. They're riding high. They're a top five team, top four team. But also, you're not going to get much credit outside of Texas, which I think also is another reason, right? It's like true. you're not going to get credit for beating SMU, no matter what. You know, they'll win 10, 11 games this year. You're not going to get credit for beating Cincinnati. You're not going to get credit for even beating TCU because Colorado destroyed destroyed them. You're not going to get credit for these other things. So maybe in years past, Tyler, when we would have gotten, you know, where we got big credit for beating Texas. We also got credit for beating other good teams in the conference that were ranked. This is not that scenario. It is it is, it is, is a double whammy, as they say. Yeah. All right, 405-651-3439. You guys are killing it, as always, on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to many of those as we can coming up next. We'll also talk about 
How impressed uh, everyone's been with the wide receiver position so far through two games? We'll hit all that and more coming up next right here on The Ref. A true Sooner fan wouldn't be caught dead without the KREF app. Join the Army. Get the app. Tell your friends. This is The Ref, where diehard Sooner fans listen. Planning ahead makes dreams happen. Eating healthy, exercising, avoiding tobacco, drugs, and alcohol. All good things when you're planning to start a family. Take a multivitamin with folic acid every day. And use birth control until you're ready to have a... You would think that's actually going to be the case. They, they know it's a great team. Uh, they know how good they, is, they are this year, and historically they always are. And there will be a lot of guys that know guys. We have a lot of in-state guys. They do, so there's always fun with that. Um, we talk about only six home games. We're down to five. It's a sellout crowd. So I'm sure there's going to be energy. Um, but at the same time, I talked with our staff a couple weeks ago. It's about preparing and giving our guys the best chance to win this game. It's also about developing long-term as we're starting the program and where you're trying to get to. So make sure we're doing everything we can to uh, you know, get the stops, kick it well, and score points. And by the way, make sure you're also getting the culture created as, you, as you're still building. Former OUOC, current t- uh, Tulsa head coach Kevin Wilson talking about the game on Saturday. Yeah, it's a sellout thanks to uh, OU fans. First sellout at TU since 2009. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar, and, well, if they need, uh, if they need a local celebrity to sign up on, on, uh, sign up on, on the place, Gunny is doing just that on the text line right now. Big fan of Ash Cigar Bar is Gunny. Yeah, Gunny almost fell asleep in one of the chairs here. They're so comfortable. <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, they, they definitely didn't uh, cut any costs when they uh, ordered the furniture here, man. They did a great job, mm-hmm. great seating areas, kind of different style seating areas. We got a lot of people in here that uh, work throughout the day and, and have a cigar and a nice relaxing environment. You got some people that come here, obviously, after ha- happy hour. We've got some of those people in here. So hey, a little something for everybody here at Ash Cigar Bar. Uh, okay, let's get to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, from, from the state of Illinois, 224. So far this season has felt like the scene in Moneyball. It's a process. These early games are tune-ups. Work on specific things to put all together. Game one, run it up to get Jackson Arnold in. Game two, tougher D-line work on the run. Trust the process. I, I don't disagree with that. Game one was run it up so we can see Jackson Arnold. Game two was here's a tougher defensive test. Then, like, what's the short little sentence there for game three? See if Jeff Levy was just uh, messing around last week? It's what the offense uh, rotations are really going to look like? Do you, do you think we're past the pass rush? being an issue i was like i was past it after the first games um i certainly am after game two right 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 when yeah i I guess when i say when we're if we're past the pass rush being an issue are we past people saying that the past very few text about that not being an issue very few text about that this week so i think we are okay good because because that would be that would be something i think you know obviously the levy i like to focus kind of on the defensive side of the ball right because you know, are we able to stay within that upper echelon um, would be kind of the, hey, you know, do we do we finally get those turnovers that we think that we're going to get? Um, do, do the freshmen continue to shine like Peyton Bowen? I think Peyton Bowen might get a lot of snaps at Cheetah this week. Oh, yeah. So I would say something like that. 
Oh, yeah. 903, will Texas be top two coming into the Cotton Bowl? Let's see. They're the number four team right now. They have Wyoming coming up at home. They play Kansas at home. They got to go to Baylor before they get to Dallas. Florida State is three. Michigan's two. Georgia's one. I think it's possible. Um, I, at this point, would think that Florida State beats Clemson later on this month. But if FSU were to drop that game, Texas gets vaulted up to number three. If Texas continues to look impressive, I guess there's not a – I mean, maybe they, they, they jump Michigan. I, I, they're, they're definitely going to be top four, though, once they get into the Cotton Bowl. I, I feel pretty strongly about that. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely, they will be. They're, they're not dropping it's, any, any, even though the opponents here moving forward. I get, like, KU is, uh, you know, 2-0 and up to this point, but Texas is not dropping after any wins. No, no, absolutely. I mean, they. It, I would argue that Texas, this year, especially with the hype, I would argue that they are more, more likely to not drop after a loss than they are to drop after a win. Like, I don't think they would have dropped – I bet if they go into Tuscaloosa and play it close, I bet they don't drop. Probably like, not. That's man. how much I think they're they're being you know pushed. Which again, they they won that game, so hats off to you know the people that that ranked them up there. But at the same time, I don't think Texas as a brand, as you know, as a program, can drop after a win. And I you know at once I probably would say that about OU. Well, it happened this week. <laughs> Eric in the OC says, we've moved on from being concerned about the run game and play calling. So, I actually, I think I agree with Eric in the OC a little bit. Like, the, the short little sentence for this week is, does the run game look better with the offensive line, and what does the play calling look like with Jeff Levy? Those are kind of the main two storylines, or at least one of the two biggest storylines going into the Tulsa game. Yeah, I think I think with that kind of, with the run game, I think it's, I think offensive line play. What can we dial it to one player? Is it Savion Bird that we can say, you know, let's put him under a microscope. If he plays well, then we feel better about the team moving forward. Um, I could see how people would point him out individually after getting pulled from the game last week. And did he ever come back in, or did Troy Everett like finish I think he came the game? back a little bit? Yeah, did he come he back? He came later? back a bit and, and looked better. Which, of course, is, you know, is important. You can tell it's not an injury or anything like that. Like, if you get pulled, like, and you don't go back in, you can always say, hey, look, you know, he's a little banged up, you know, we needed to get somebody else in there that was fresh, whatnot. If you go back in the game, Tyler, that's out the window. Like, you're healthy. Like, you just got pulled. Yeah. So, with that, him going back in, that affirms that he's healthy. And I'm sure, you know, a guy that's, you know, dealt with some – I don't know. I don't know if you'd call them maturity issues early on, but, you know, the people that said that he just needed to get his head head right, well, a guy like that being kind of a a conversation topic from from all the people throughout the week saying, man, he got he got beat up pretty good, you know, uh, there on the ESPN Plus game. Um, I'm sure he's got – I'm sure he, he's he got to get locked in here. I'm sure he heard all about that. Sarks Vodka says one Georgia, two Michigan, three Oregon, and four Oklahoma. I guess that's his uh, four playoff picks right now. Georgia and Michigan will be undefeated. OU and Oregon lose a conference game but win the league. FSU loses two games and gets snubbed. Who's who's FSU losing to? I guess Clemson and I, I mean I, maybe Miami. I have no idea. 
Look pretty good though right now. Clemson not so much. They were struggling yeah. at halftime and it like they played like Charleston Southern or someone last week. They Charleston turned it on the Southern. second half, but ooh. Yeah, I'm I, yeah. I uh, what what would your what would your four be right now, you know, if you had to pick four for the playoff based on what we've seen so far? Um based on what we've seen so far, I God, I just I've really just tried to not pick Georgia this year, but I have to right now. Georgia won. I'll just give you a four. Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and, God, I guess I'll throw Texas in there. Like, I don't really think that they'll be there, but based on what we've seen up to this point, they have a hell of a win. I still think they'll probably lose a couple times before we get to a conference championship game. So I don't know if that's exactly what you're wanting. But if I were to put money on a four right now, I would say Georgia, Michigan, I think Florida State will get there, and I might go with Oregon out of the Pac-12. God, see, that's, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. The, I mean, God, and, and you go to the SEC, nobody's really even looked good. Like, Tennessee hasn't looked that good. Like, again, Alabama and LSU already have a loss. South Carolina has a loss. Um... So I guess preseason, you and I were talking about how Georgia, with all these distractions, might be, you know, this might be the time to knock them off. Well, everybody else is losing, Tyler. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, Georgia doesn't look good, but they're not losing. The SEC. I mean, they're not going to lose the Ball State. I believe the SEC is three and seven against other Power Five teams so far this year. Very un-SEC like, huh? And in their marquee games, uh, Florida State, LSU, Bama, Texas, they've gotten kind of embarrassed in both of those games. So not not a banner year for that league thus far. No. I mean, and, and at a certain point, they get the benefit of the doubt, right, because of previous success in the college football playoff. Not when they're losing like this. Yeah. You simply can't. Hey, so. um, w- w- one real quick question. Uh, personnel with OU at wide receiver before we hit a break, and text line will give their thoughts, okay. and, and we'll hit on the other side. You know, for as much uncertainty as we're talking about with this OU offense, there is one player at wide receiver that – has been used a lot in the first two games and I think is sort of quietly having a really nice start to the season. How early, like it, it's, it's probably too early to say Andrew Anthony is without a doubt the number one wide receiver on the team. But how, like, what do we think about the first two games that he's had so far? Because he's been really good in both. I'll say, I'll say he's the number one wide receiver on the team. I'll, I'll go out on that limb. I mean, when you when you want to draw something up that you've uh, you know that you want to add a wrinkle to something that you did the week before, you go to Andrew Anthony. I mean, what the first throw of the game in uh, in week two was to Andrew Anthony. I mean, he's he he was getting deep ball, you know, targets in week one. I, I we heard great things about him. I think that of the new receivers, we needed somebody to step up, right? Well, is has. I know Farouk had that incredible, you know, move in the open field to 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 really win that game or seal that game. But I mean, he's he's played better than both of both of them so far. I mean, yes, Stoops had you know that early success, and then he had that AC joint. Now, that, who knows how that's going to bother him? But yeah, I am I, I I'm comfortable saying that Andrew Anthony's the the number one wide receiver. No big mistakes from him. It feels like it's for the most part been really good. Whether it's a play drawn up for him, a, a deep ball. He's either made the play or he's gotten tackled on the play by a defensive back. I've been um, been very impressed with what we've seen from Andrew Anthony through two games. 
Four and, he, and, he, and he gets up and hands the ball to the, to the yeah. official immediately. All class, No man. celebration, All class. no nothing. Got to love that. 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. More OU football next right here on The Ref. The word is spreading, and the Ref Army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sp- How you can support this groundbreaking effort and get advantage miles? Go to standuptocancer.org slash American Airlines. Now, we helped keep a lot of players there that are still there. Um, but if you have a player that you recruited, knew their family, you've been in there with, and he says, Coach, I want to go with you, do you say no? Do you, like, say, oh, you were good enough to come with me to, to this place, but now I, I, I won't take you here? Like, it's, it's not easy. Yeah, more eye roll emojis all the way around. There's more of what uh, that turd mule shoe said earlier today on a podcast. Whatever. We're moving on. Adam from Austin says, I think the best wide receiver is Jacquez Petaway, then Nick Anderson, but neither are playing. Hope they do. I think they raise our ceiling. Cherokee Sooner is ready to go out on that limb with you, Travis. Andrew Anthony is definitely wide receiver one. If he isn't listed as such on the death chart, he deserves to be. And our buddy Doug Miles says, I have been impressed with Anthony's blocking as well, which is a very, very uh, big part of the offense here with as many you know, short stuff as they like to throw at times. You need a good blocker out there on the perimeter, and I would agree with Doug's assessment. Andrew Anthony has been, has been very good in that regard. Yeah, and again, we we've talked about the separation, right? My my question, my only question to it would be: Does does Jaden Gibson or does Nick Anderson make a late push for this, Tyler? Do do they? I mean, the light seemed like it came on for Jaden Gibson. You know, Nick Anderson. We all we've heard about how good he's going to be. Is it possible, Tyler, that once we get into conference play, that one of those two really? kind of starts to starts to separate as kind of their own on that outside going up and getting jump balls or, or, or blowing by receivers. They both – I mean, Nick Anderson has, has some of the better blocking when he's been yeah. out there, and I know that's an important part of the equation for Emmett Jones. So, I don't know. It, it's something to consider. It, it It's certainly not out of the question that one of, if not both of them, could make a big jump late. I'm, I'm not really counting out – I'm not going to say I'm not counting on anyone, but there's still a pretty decent group there of wide receivers that I'm not counting out just yet that they can't be either the main target or one of the main targets. And Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson are just are, are just two of those guys, right? Like Jaden Gibson, he's like the tallest player out there on the field, right? And he plays wide receiver. Like we we've seen him make two incredible plays in in tight coverage so far this year. We've seen what Nick Anderson can do, like. I, I think it'd be very foolish just to count those guys out. Let's just see them get more opportunities. Right. And I think that they will on Saturday against Tulsa. I think they'll get more opportunities. I mean, we hope so. But, again, Tyler, I, I, I sit back here and, you know, I've already said who cares how the sausage gets made, right? Maybe I don't need to see deep shots. I just want to see us win. I want to see us score. I want to avoid three and outs. I want, I want to clean up the drops. I mean, five dropped passes. Marcus Major had two. Andrew Anthony had one. Drake Stoops had one. And Gavin Freeman had one. Yep. I'd like to see that cleaned up a little bit. But, I mean, 
I don't know. I, it, it's tough because I feel like I'm talking about both sides of my mouth when I say, yeah, we want to see those deep shots because I do selfishly want to see those deep shots, but also maintaining that take what the defense gives you and go score. Like, how, like have a sustained drive. Have a 13-play, 94-yard drive. Go do that. That yeah. was fun. It's just – Run the ball effectively. So much that can happen. I know we're talking about wide receiver. So much that can happen at that spot because even though, I mean, even though Farouk hasn't necessarily done a ton this year, the play that he made on Saturday to get it to a 10-point game and not the move, the moves that he made right after the catch in a pretty tight space to make both those guys miss – it's got me, and I've always been interested in Jaleel Farouk and his involvement in the offense, but it's the best play of his career probably. And one of the best open field plays I've seen from an OU wide receiver maybe in a few years. So I'm like, okay, now I'm a lot more interested in Jaleel Farouk and what he looks like here moving forward after that play. There's just a, a, a lot is going to happen here in the next four weeks at that, at that spot. One, what's funny is I've always said Jaquez Petaway isn't a guy that gets open. Like, he's a guy that you get on bubble screens, on handoffs, and things like that because he's absolute hell to take down. But he wasn't all all kinds of open on that throw, Tyler. That was an, a yep. dot thrown by Dylan Gabriel. And Jaleel threw the defender over his shoulders when he caught it. I mean, the, the defender was had two hands on him whenever he caught it, and he threw him off like a rag doll. So, I mean, that takes some guts to throw that, Tyler, and obviously he makes the man miss, but that takes some guts to throw that. And while a lot of people are making, rightfully so, uh, the, uh, you know, it all about Jaleel's catch and the finish, bro, that, that, that throw is a, an absolute dime from Mr. Dime Time himself. 918, uh, Jaleel Farouk, badass yards after the catch reminded me of Mark Clayton. There was definitely some uh, quick twitch going on there. 903, there will be a wide receiver. We say, dang, we didn't see that coming by the end of the year. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, there's several guys that I'm not counting out just yet, uh, including a lot of these, including a lot of these young players. Hey, um, real quick, before we hit a break, we haven't talked much uh, recruiting today, but Danny Okoye, number one player in the state, is going to announce one week from today. And the feelings there with he and OU seem to feel pretty good still a week out nothing's really changed yeah. in that regard yeah yeah i mean uh i i don't believe he will be taking that trip to texas uh, mm. which is important obviously you know he said that uh you know he put out on twitter oh man this might have changed some things well a lot of people said oh that's probably uh that's probably texas that's got to be good for texas right because they beat alabama I mean, it could be possible he was tweeting that about Oklahoma after they held one of the best offenses in the, from the, from last year to only 11 points. I mean, I don't think he specified Texas in that tweet. I could be wrong, but, you know, these kids are cryptic. You never know. But I think it's big that I, if he doesn't make that Texas trip again, which I don't expect him to do, uh, I think then you can pretty much yes. come to your own conclusions on that. <laughs> yeah, if he's not in Austin this weekend, if he's somewhere else, then uh, the decision in uh, one week's time, yeah, I feel pretty good about that one. All right, final segment of the day coming up next. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. We'll get to those. More OU football next right here on The Ref. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fans. 
Introducing the next generation at Dorsey Jones Buick GMC.